0: Okay, we are live. Jamie, this is Tim Blanchet with Divorce 661. Today we're talking with Jamie Lima who is the president of Woodson Wealth Management and founder of Allegiant Divorce Solutions. He's worked with companies you may have heard of, Morgan Stanley, Fidelity, major companies and now started his own company called Woodson Wealth Management. Also is a certified divorce financial analyst with Allegiant Divorce Solutions. We'll be talking about that. How are you doing today, Jamie? Please Introduce yourself a little better than I did, please.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. I appreciate the introduction. You're absolutely right. I mean, I uh, we were talking a little bit before we we jumped on the line here today, and that uh, I do have a ton of experience in financial planning uh, with some of the bigger name firms out there. You know, one being the Morgan Stanley, another one being Fidelity Investments, which you've already mentioned. About three years ago, I decided to launch my own firm Woodson wealth management, and um, never looked back. I mean, we we've uh, we now have clients all over, all over the country. And we work in a virtual setting, which has been been amazing. That's uh, one of the, one of the benefits that I think uh, the coronavirus brought upon us is, is being able to work with people all over the country in a virtual environment versus sitting face to face in an office and sitting in traffic every day, getting to it and to and from it. So uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely excited to have a chat with you today about uh, all things finance and and divorce. We're gonna make it fun though.
0: Absolutely, because we can talk about a couple things. You, you're you're uh, um, what well, you do wealth management through one company, you, and then you also mm-hmm. do the divorce financial analyst through the other. And yeah, the virtual thing that's really helped. Uh, I think, like you said, the coronavirus. I think that pushed people who always wanted to come into an office, shake a hand. It pushed those people over the edge to realize things can actually get done um, virtually just as well as in person.
1: Absolutely, it's it's so much more effective and efficient. And I know you're you're here in Southern California along with myself. And like, can you imagine getting in? You know, having a setting an appointment with your financial planner and then spending an hour in the car driving yeah. to my office to spend an hour talking about money. Ugh, you know, like for an hour, and then getting back in into traffic to get home. You just burn three hours of your day. None of it was all that fun, probably, because uh, people don't like really like to talk about money so much. But you know, it's it's just so much sure. more effective and efficient. We can jump into a meeting, we can handle handle our business, and then we're all out with our day. and And yeah. uh, it's, it's it's much more fun that way. I'm a little more relaxing.
0: Gotcha. Maybe we could start with this um, kind of how you define certified uh, or what a certified divorce financial analyst is, and then talk about why you started doing that. In addition to um being a certified financial planner I, I would imagine they pretty much go hand in hand but if you could explain the differences one's building wealth one is kind of advising in a divorce scenario could you maybe start there and i have some questions about you know once we have a better understanding of of uh, the differences in the two, and what you're doing with Allegiant, and then I, I can ask some questions, uh, maybe some more divorce-related questions, and how you can help some of our clients. Perhaps. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a kind of a, the backdrop on how I got to to be where I am as a as a CDFA, as a certified divorce financial analyst. So about, I've been, I, I, I went and started working towards the certified financial planner designation back in two thousand eleven ish uh, somewhere in that range 2010 2011 so it's been about 12 or 12 or 13 years since I got the designation and around that same time I was kind of in the same on the mindset of I have the momentum I've been studying studying for this exam that I because the certified financial planner designation is not something you just show up one day and take the take the test it's about an 18 month long process from from start to finish and being able to actually get that designation and I was still I was kind of in the uh, you know studying mode and i had that momentum and i went to my my boss at that time and, and asked him if i could continue on and get my cdfa designation and he kind of poo-pooed it he was like hey, i don't you know we're not really doing that kind of work here and it's not really all that important yeah you know, i think you know maybe just focus on some other things and maybe take a breather because and that was that was some good advice too but um, so i took i took his advice and, and decided to to postpone it and sure enough about four maybe five years later I went through my own very challenging divorce it was challenging both uh, emotionally and also financially and had I had the the experience and the information you know, the, the net na- that I have now then I would have made some very different decisions and maybe not made as many mistakes as I did along the way and that's really what propelled me into to wanting to go back and finish this designation, and you know. So then I started, and I was working for Fidelity for a long time. Then I started my own firm. So there were a lot of things that were had gotten in the way of me being able to go back and and really focus on the the education piece. So, uh, but I, I it was something I've always wanted to do. I feel like there's a lot of uh, like you like you mentioned. There's certainly a lot of parallels between the the CFP work that we do and the CDFA work that we do. There are also a lot of differences. You know, the the similarities are helping people manage wealth and make better decisions from a budgeting perspective and managing cash flow and things of that nature, and really just trying to help people learn what life is going to be like after the divorce and how that they can then put themselves on the trajectory moving forward to be able to continue to build wealth and 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 be able to eventually retire and, and achieve the hopes, dreams, and wishes and aspirations that they have for themselves. Where it differs though is. We spend a lot of time working with people on things like property division and managing taxes and uh, child uh, custody situations, child support, alimony, things of that nature. We don't really touch that in the wealth, traditional wealth management um, engagements that we have. And the reason why I set up two different companies is because Woodson Wealth Management, which is the, the... Traditional financial planning company that uh, that I that I I run, we are a what's called a fee only wealth management company. So we are completely independent. We don't do we don't take any commission, sales quotas. We don't sell any products. We simply are paid by based on the advice that we provide. Whereas with Allegiant Allegiant, we actually take a retainer from our our, our clients and we bill against a retainer. And we also do some other work that um, we can't necessarily do under the umbrella of Woodson. And from a legal compliance perspective, it was better to run to, to have two very distinct separate companies. That way, and, and the the real reason I did it was because we want to make sure that we don't um, create any conflicts of interest. You know, with we can we have to avoid conflicts of interest at all times. And by keeping them separate, we can ensure that we there's a, a clear line of delineation between the two firms.
0: That totally makes sense. Are you under the uh, allegiance with the CDFA? Are you um, working with both parties in those cases? Sometimes, usually, it's an individual. Usually okay. An so, individual. someone, a couple's going through divorce, and someone will come to you and say, Here's, a, I'm going through a divorce, and here's either a settlement agreement that's been proposed, or maybe they come in advance of it, the settlement agreement so they can better understand. The tax implications and other things like that. Can you give an idea of how how that would interplay with someone going through divorce? Or
1: yeah, with uh, most of the clients that we've worked with, they've come to us in the early stages. Uh, when when they're if you get too far along in the in the in the process there can be some mistakes that can be made and maybe maybe you even have a set, you know someone has a settlement agreement that's in hand and it, it can be it, it can in many ways be too late right mm-hmm. because where we come in is getting a lay of the land, learning what this one person has what property the other person has what property they have that they own jointly. Uh, we'll get an understanding of of the goals and objectives that they have relating to the kids and custody and things of that nature, and then help them work with their attorney to figure out what a fair and equitable settlement is. there have been a couple of cases where we've had some proposals where it's like, okay, here's this here's the settlement that I've been proposed. and we can help them navigate that. We'll, we'll do, it's really just an exercise in going through the pros and cons. Like, mm. is it really going to help you achieve the goals and objectives that you have? Here are the areas that I can poke some holes in. Maybe some, here are some things that you may want to reconsider, but if you get too far down the path without engaging a CDFA, uh, in, in early on, it, it, it there there can be, it can be challenging to unwind some things for sure. Uh, that's um, what it
0: sounds like. Yeah. 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 You were mentioning in, you said if you had had the CDFA training prior to doing your own divorce, you wouldn't have made so many mistakes or or made mistakes. Um, without mm-hmm. divulging your mistakes, what are some of sure. the uh, things or mistakes that that can be made by people?
1: Absolutely, i mean, and I'm I'm an open book, so I'm happy to share. You know, my my situation. There were there were some uh, negotiations that were done based on um, alimony. The way we had structured alimony. And um, there was actually some verbiage that was used in the, the divorce decree for myself that impacted my ability to actually deduct the, the, the tax de- I'm sorry, the tax deductibility yeah. of my alimony. And we've, we just settled this with the, believe it or not, I mean, we had for two years, I had to go back and forth with the IRS just to get this one word in the divorce decree adjusted we actually had to go back to the courts and and luckily my ex-wife had, had agreed to the, making the adjustment to the verbiage in there. And then we simply said, okay, like, here's, here's, here's what we meant by using this word. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you know, as, as uh, backwards as the IRS is, in most cases, they were able to decipher what we were trying to do. And they allowed me to deduct the alimony, but that cost, that was attorney cost. That was a bunch of time, energy, and effort. Um, sure. A lot of stress that was involved in it and so on. But just knowing the you know the the having the information that i have now that i didn't have then there there are other things like you know the with the division of re- retirement assets and the marital home and things of that nature you have to take into consideration the taxation that's involved where in one case let's just let's just i'll use an example of, of a client case that i have there was a discussion between keeping the marital home or keeping the 401k as part of the settlement. And the husband was going, in this case, the husband was going to keep the house because he enjoyed it. He, and, you know, the kids were still going to be staying with him and you know his backyard is, is, is his haven, so to speak. And the wife just looked at it on, at first blush and said, that's okay. I'll just, you know, there's a, approximately the same amount of value in my retirement account. I'll just keep that. Well, and this is, this happens all the time. When he goes to sell that property later on, He benefits from lower capital gains taxation rates and also tax exclusions, the the capital gains exclusions that are involved. So he's going to pay much lower tax, likely over time. Whereas if she now, if she decided to keep that agreement in place, fast forward into retirement, now she wants to take money out of her retirement account. She's paying ordinary income tax rates. Right. So it's 15% versus 22 or 28% and maybe even higher depending on what state she lives in and so on. So there are little things like that can come about with the negotiations that you have to be cognizant of to make sure that it's a fair and equitable arrangement. Because at first blush, it looks like it is. But when you take taxes into consideration, it most certainly is not.
0: Yeah. And what a lot of people are not aware of that I come across doing what I do is in those similar circumstances, kind of offsetting equities, if you will. Some not being liquid, you know, the the if the they particularly if they plan on pulling that money out right away because they need those funds, then they're going to get with I would imagine penalties
1: as well. Hundred percent. And the the a perfect example of that is is a a pension plan. Now, very very few people out there have pensions any longer, but the 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 some of the older folks that we're seeing that have you know not only now in my current life, but even in the past people still have there are still pensions out there that exist and they are not that's not something where you can just call up the 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 company and say you know the water heater broke or i need access to this cash because there's some some kind of other emergency or i have to pay my attorney bill or what have you that that money is first off you have to figure out what the value actual value of that pension is because it's not worth it's not today isn't it's not worth the same thing today as it will be five ten years into the future right and then you, you it's not easily accessible so, dealing with the liquid versus illiquid assets is is something that we we will do as well, and make sure that uh, it, the the settlement is fair as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you 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 uh, distinguish pension from say four hundred one k or like deferred comp type plans because I'll mm-hmm. talk to clients who they put it all under one umbrella of a pension system, and or they'll say it's a um, retirement account and it's a four hundred one k versus a traditional pension. And like you're saying, it's it's with a 401k, you could just say get a statement and see what the balance is, you know, maybe at the date of separation or something like that. Mm-hmm. But with the pensions, because they're a percentage of retirement and it goes through a calculation and all that, um, that they're um, not understanding that one that they can just, like you said, call up and get a value. or two, they're making the mistake of looking at the employee contributions and thinking that's the actual dollar value. Um, in the plan, I just got off a call yesterday with a gentleman who the divorce was finalized. And in the disclosure forms and on the uh, settlement agreement, they the wife prepared so they did their own divorce. The wife prepared the settlement agreement and she wrote down 50% of what, whatever showed on that statement. Uh, and it was a, a true pension system. And um, when he called me, he said, Is that is she going to get you know 75,000? You know, I said, mm-hmm. Well, no, because it's an actual pension. If it was a 401k, yes, but if it was you know, it was actual pension system. I think it was either stirs or PERS or one of those. Sure. I said that value was just what your contributions because he was a, a sheriff. So it's actually Lacerra now that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, that was just his contributions over the 25 years up until the time of divorce. So are you seeing people kind of misunderstanding just the type of investment product they're dealing with in the divorce?
1: Usually, that's the biggest thing. And and the, yeah. the challenge that we run into, what what I see a lot is and you probably deal with this as well that in in any relationship there's usually one person that is the driver and there is another person that is the passenger and this is not sexist this is not any of those things but in my experience 90% of the time the man is driving those engagements. They're the people that come into the, they, even in my past life at the other firms that I used to work with, they're the ones that are there for the meetings and they want to come in and visit their money and learn more about like better, yeah, how they can maximize their retirement, so on and so forth. And usually the spouse, in many cases, it's the woman will come along for the ride and, and, if, if they don't really understand what's going on, they don't know what they have, they don't understand all the, the and, and some of that's our fault as advisors not bringing them earlier on to the conversation and also ensuring that they do get a clear understanding of of what they own and what they have and so on. And then fast forward to, you know, D-Day when they decide that they're going to get a divorce and they have to figure all this out. What I'm seeing, again, not to be sexist here, but it's mostly women who are coming to having the conversations with us going, Somebody help me figure this all out because I have no idea what we own. I have no idea what this thing is or that thing is. And sometimes they don't even know where to find the information. So that's where we spend a lot of time up front gathering data and gathering data. And just I I have one gal who um, over the course of the last few weeks, we started the, the, the what we call a discovery process. And. And I think I had 180 different statements that were coming our way because she kept, as we were going through this exercise, it's like, okay, what does now he does? Do you have this thing? Oh yeah, we do have that. Send me the statements. And it was, it was all coming in piecemeal, but now we have everything nice and organized and it's all on just a few sheets of paper. So she now can take that. And we had to get that information to her attorney on Tuesday. So we took that information and now the attorney can deal with you know the helping negotiate the settlement because it's all laid out there in black and white uh, nice and organized for them.
0: Yeah, I think it, what you said is accurate and if I understood you correctly that from the um, financial planning front the the man is the driver from the CDFA front the it's it, the, the woman is kind of the client if you will and it, it sounds very common to what I'm hearing talking to you other folks that call themselves like divorce coaches or divorce financial coaches, I guess that's, that's Mm -hmm. something that's been around for a while as well. I don't think they come with, or they can, but they don't necessarily come with the credentials that you have necessarily. Um, but they are, they are saying that same thing that there is, um, um, that when it comes to the women, that they are just not um, at a place where the man is again, not like you mm-hmm. said, not sexist, just they let, they let someone else be the driver, but now they have to step up. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that would make sense while they, they, while they're ending up with you on the CDFA front, um, during the divorce process.
1: Yeah. And I see, I, and I, and I'm just thinking this through, as you were, you're mentioning that I have a few clients that are same sex couples. And even in that, and even in those cases, there's one person that's the point person. Sure, and that's just and that's just how it, maybe that's personalities, and that's just how we all we find our partners in life, and that's just uh, yeah. but that's just that's exactly how what it's what what it turns out to be in the most cases.
0: Yeah, earlier you were talking about us uh, kind of the issue with the spouse support, and then with the um, uh, the home versus uh, pension. Any other things that come to mind with uh, with clients as far as mistakes they could have made, or something that could be, could have been prevented, or did was prevented.
1: Um, I, th- I think the other thing that I'm seeing is in, is some alimony settlements. I've seen, uh, you know, the, the, um, the calculation of alimony and, and where really that stems from is not getting an understanding of what the budget is going to look like post divorce. Yeah. Right? You, um, traditional environment, right? You have a husband and wife or a spouse and spouse in same sex marriage. There's a, a joint living expenses and, you know, whatever, whatever that number happens to be every month. There's a budget that, you know, there's money coming in, there's money going out and there's, there's a budget that's, uh, there's money that's being spent. Not getting an understanding of what that looks like pre-divorce and then trying to figure that all out, what, what your life is gonna look like post-divorce can be really challenging. And especially when the kids are involved because you, now you have two households, you have, and, and if you are the one, if you're the payor of child support and alimony, that can be a challenge because you're like, okay, I have, I, ha- I have my household that I have to support now. Right. And I have to keep a roof over my head. So I'm not living on the streets. And now I have kids and my ex spouse that I have to take care of. How do I figure out what that budget looks like? And, and that's where we can come in and figure out, okay, where are you? Where are you today? What are your expenses look like today? What is your life going to look like after the divorce? And, and when it comes time to talk about, what the child support looks like. Now, child support is pretty straightforward, right? Especially here in California, because it's all based on the diso master, And yep. there's some inputs that get put into it. And then the output, and the output is the output. There's no, you really can't exactly. tweak it too much. Exactly. But when it comes to alimony, there are th- some uh, different agreements that can be put in place. Maybe there's a situation where uh, you pay X dollars this year and maybe a little bit less the next year and a little bit less than the following year and so on, just to help your ex-spouse get on his or her feet. And and slowly segue out of alimony versus being stuck. And that was a mistake that I made in my own divorce, where I, I first off, I just wanted mine over with because it, it was very challenging and there were there was parental alienation and domestic violence and all the stuff that was going on in my own situation, which is not not my own doing, just for the record, but having I just wanted to get it over with and be and move on. So I took a settlement related to alimony that looking back was. fair it sounded fair at the time but life changes and your and, and things happen and having being able to make adjustments to to the alimony or having it slowly decline over time would have really really helped me but it would have helped her get back on her feet and incentivized her to do that because alimony is only a bridge it is not designed to be there forever to you know keep that lifestyle so to speak forever right there is some semblance of you know, it's going to be time for you eventually to get back on your feet and, and, and stand up as your own person. So, um, that's that, I think that's one thing that I, child support and, and alimony negotiations are areas that people can get jammed up on, uh, a, a lot.
0: Yeah. I think that's a big part of people getting divorced is, and, and I think you said it well, I, I tell my clients, you know, you have one or two incomes, family, and one set of household expenses. Now you're going to have one or two incomes and two and two separate household expenses. Mm-hmm. And your standard of living is just, it's not going to be the same. Even if you are receiving alimony or child support, you're still going to want to go out and work if you are a non-working spouse because mm-hmm. it's, that money is still not going to go as far, you know, especially when people are selling homes and, and moving out or repurchasing at today's high interest rates or with um, the rental market being so steep. You know, we have people selling their home, splitting the equity and then paying – a thousand dollars more for a one bedroom apartment than they did on their mortgage because they bought their house 20 years ago. So exactly. Yeah. It's um it's it's very interesting um in that way. So it sounds like you go pretty deep into not only showing them the 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 outpoints perhaps or the taxation points, but you'll look into the future and say, okay, if you were to accept this settlement or you're gonna pay this amount, depending on what side of the aisle you're on there. It's going you're going to say, "Okay, this this is what you're going to end up with. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of fear comes when people are going through divorce. Like, what am I going to have at the end of the day? So I know what I can either purchase or have to, to live moving forward.
1: Absolutely. And that's where the two firms are very well tied together in some respects, because once the settlement has happened, then we're, we can be there to shift gears and say, okay, well, we've got the settlement, you know, under, under, it's done. Now, what does that mean for future you? Let's look at, you know, building out your wealth plan and look at your investments and your retirement plan, and your workplace benefits and work with your CPA on the taxation stuff and, and, and really help them transition from. So it's almost like a, a legion is there to support them from, you know, through the divorce process. And then what we're seeing is, is that there's a handoff at that point once the settlement happens to Woodson where it's like, okay, the dust is settled. Let's now focus on what the future is all going to look like and, and re you know reevaluate what our goals and objectives are. And can we do those things that we you know, really help you get an understanding of? Can we do the things that you uh, are hoping to do? And if not, that's okay. Let's just make some adjustments to it. Let's, let's look, maybe make some adjustments to our expectations, maybe make some adjustments to Savings rates or our budget and things of that nature to help you be able to achieve the, yeah. the goals that you have. Um, so that's really you know going back to your earlier question, how you know the, the CFP CDFA roles uh, not only differ but also work in, in tandem.
0: Yeah, and I, think, and I think that's perfect because things, goals, all, all of your, all of that changes, right? So if you had. Even if and I don't know if this has happened, but let's say they were working under the Woods and Umbrella, and you're working with them, and then they go to divorce, and whether they use the CDFA or not with you, but th- then they, they need to recalibrate everything because now the money's changed. Mm-hmm. Maybe their investment portfolio has been cut in half. Um, and I really liked your. Um, I was looking at your website earlier. I liked um, how you had it laid out as far as the uh, the breakdowns. Where was that? Um, it was just on your homepage, like your pricing tiers. How you had that set up, where you could mm-hmm. have. Um, I mean, I'll just share it while I'm talking about it.
1: It's under the uh, wealth management tab, I believe, at the top. Wealth. So if you go to the That's services area. and then wealth mm-hmm. management.
0: Yeah. Wealth management. I'm gonna see if I can share this and pull this up. Mm-hmm. So I think I I think when it comes to wealth management and um uh and just in general, I think there's misunderstandings and and folks, you know, they call, they don't like you're saying, like in this case, the woman comes in, they they don't know what they're looking for, or what things are and so forth. Um and where did I see the um
1: it'll be it on, the, on the you're at the fee structure. Writing. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So I liked when I saw this because I, I'm not super financially savvy, but I know enough to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> but you, you would never. I don't see this on wealth management uh, firm websites putting their information right out front like that. Um, and I, I just thought that was pretty cool that you can say, okay, I don't, you know, I can look at it, I can decide to call or not based on what I see on the site.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I, I, I really like this, how you had this and you also do your, um, I think you do some webinars as well.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And that was, uh, we are, and and I'm not just saying this to try to be a salesman to all of your listeners here. We really pride ourselves in being as transparent as we possibly can, like ultra transparent. That's why I'm on, I, I do, I have conversations like this to share my story, the mistakes that I made, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm totally human. I'm a thousand percent flawed like everybody else. And and when we, when I set up, when I launched the company, this was the biggest thing. Is a, it, a couple things. One, I didn't want to work with 450 clients anymore, like I had to when I was at Fidelity. I had 450 clients I was responsible for. Never mind knowing what Tim, you know, Tim's goals and objectives were. But how about his family? You know, what, what's his, what is, what's his spouse's name or his loved one's name? And you know, how does he have any kids? And all those things that, like, I know when I start to write an email to my clients now. I know all of their email addresses. You don't, you don't get to do that with 450 clients. Like I can literally start typing. I can pick a, pick a client and I can, I can, it auto populates and I can send an email off. You can't do that with 450 clients. So we want to work with a small number smaller number of clients and also work with a younger crowd. Typical client that we work with is somewhere between the age of 30 and 50. Mm. Learning how to manage their finances and really in in many ways, some of them are just starting off, you know, budgeting and cash flow and paying off student loans and learning how to manage their workplace benefits. And, you know, do I pick how much money do I contribute to my 401k and should I do a Roth 401k versus a traditional 401k? The little the little things that are going to build wealth over a long time that they don't teach you in school. That's what we're here to do. And that's where our pricing structure came in because if you go to these big name firms you know if if you you knock on the door at ubs or morgan stanley or you name it if you don't have a million dollars in your brokerage account and you're not ready to move all that money to the firm for it to have them manage it it's like hey tim nice try kid call me when you're ready yeah we are not playing that game we would i would rather work with somebody who has their first retirement account their first five thousand or six thousand dollar roth ira is engaged in the process is really cool to work with because I'm at the stage of my career where I don't work with people. I don't want to go out and have a beer with. Right. And like, I don't want to work with jerks. And, and if you're engaged in the process and you're, and you see value in paying a fee for us to help you, that is our ideal client. And, and my, my, our mandate is, is we want to grow with you and not from you. And that's why we price the way that we do. It's, it's, and and we're, we're as transparent as we are because, you know, we're not a fit for everybody and that's okay.
0: Yeah. I want to bring back up your, um, site here that we were showing earlier. Can you go into detail on <clears throat> what we're looking at here? You have, you basically have a uh, option one and option two financial planning, only mm-hmm. financial yeah. planning, investment management. Um, and here's what's fascinating. You're just talking about, you know, no, really no minimums per se. We obviously you want to start mm-hmm. with something, but sure. even I don't want to say smaller, Firms, you know, non-brand names like you're you're rattling off, um, do have minimums that they um, want. And it could be several. I mean, at a minimum, several hundred thousand dollars.
1: Absolutely. I mean, a lot of firms out there are five hundred thousand, even in a million. Yeah. You know, You. I see. I see. You know, Ken Fisher on CNBC all the time, and there, they're, the last thing he says is, if you have more than five hundred thousand dollars, give us a call. They don't want to talk to anybody that has 50,000 or 100,000. And the people that need the help the most are not getting it because of people like that. So we're here to not wouldn't say I, I, I don't want to say pick up the slack because that it, it kind of it sounds it sounds negative when I say that. But
0: it's definitely a needed market, though. It's, right? it's an
1: absolutely a needed market. Yeah, I work with people I I before I jumped on the call with you today, I got an, I received an email from one of our clients. We're not even managing his investments. He's an amazing, amazing client. I'm, I almost called him a kid because he's about ten years younger than me. But he is now. He's he just got laid off. We had a conversation about his situation, and hey, yeah, he has an emergency cash savings because we we coached him to do that. So he's going to be able to get through it. And is now interviewing with um, a major league baseball team to be uh, an engineer on their uh, technology team, and we helped him navigate the. Navigate the, the 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 job loss. Help him make sure that he had enough to save to be able to get through the the three or four month window here. And now he's going to have you know an amazing opportunity that he can negotiate, spend some time negotiating because we did all the things that we're supposed to do to help him. He wouldn't have gotten that help anywhere else. And it's just it's, it's those are the types of, th- those are the types of engagements we have. It's you know I, I get phone calls from clients when they're at the car dealership. I had one from a, a gal that was uh, moved from San Diego to Austin, ended up getting a great job there. Called me from the car dealership to look at the different strategies that they were proposing, the, the payment options that they were proposing and figure out which one was going to be the best one. Those those are the types of people that we w- want to work with. And and that's the ideal client for us.
0: Yeah. When Can you um, kind of just break this down mm-hmm. Um so I can understand the two different uh, kind of plans you have and how they're mm-hmm. distinguished. And then I wanted to ask you, obviously there are, I want you to maybe give some examples of like, you're just giving me some um, examples of some benefits of working with someone in this area, as opposed to say, maybe they just have an account with fidelity or something like that, not managed, just they're doing their own thing.
1: Yeah, And that's in that case, we, and I, I mentioned this early on, Again, we are product and platform agnostic. So we do work with the, most of the clients that we work with. We'll start off with what we call a financial planning only engagement, which is there on the left hand side, what I call option option one. Okay. We don't handle the investments. We won't, you know, we're not going to place trades for anybody. We're not going to do any of that stuff. So what we'll do, it's, it's simply put, it's $750 to start the engagement. And then fast forward a month, we'll start charging them $400 a month thereafter. And that $750 upfront is really what compensates us for the time to gather information and get them onboarded as a client, get them access to our financial planning software, do the initial stuff, right? And then at month one, then we charge them $400 a month thereafter. So it's similar to us. we call it a subscription. I feel like I need to find a better word for that because... When I hear the word subscription, I feel like it's Netflix or like you know <laughs> iTunes yeah. or something or whatever it is, right? And it, it's it, this is so much more valuable than that in my in my opinion. so and that and that's it. And if that client works with us for six months or a year or two years, that's what they pay. There are no additional fees. There's no other layers of of uh, of uh, there's a product sales. We don't do any of that stuff. We will help them do all the stuff that we've been talking about, which is, but starting with budgeting and cash flow and retirement planning, and we also do things like estate planning. We'll help them. We'll do tax planning with them. We can help. We have an outfit we work with, uh, a, a neutral third party that will help do our tax tax preparation for our clients. All of that stuff is included in in helping them organize all that information and get all that stuff done. Uh, with with is, that there,
0: fee. is there any overlap with what a CPA
1: would do? In the from a tax planning perspective, there is, but we, what we would do, uh, like we'll do things like look at the mathematics behind doing Roth conversions, or you mentioned mega backdoor Roth conversions earlier. We'll figure out if it makes mathematical sense and then cross-reference that with a CPA. And so I tell people all the time, our job is to, our, I'm sorry, excuse me. Our, our job is to trust, but verify. And like we trust in the information. We feel like the mathematics is right. The strategy is sound, but we're not going to sign off on the tax return, so we should probably make sure it's copacetic with him or her, the person that is, before we go and do anything. That way, they're not surprised on April fifteenth the following year. So we and we do we we have a group that we work with that um, has prepared about fifty percent of the the client returns for our clients this past year, and then um, the other the others either do it on their own and they're they're fine with that, or they have their own CPA who will also work with as well. Um, so it's, it's, you're creating, it's a team environment between us, the CPA and on the divorce side, us, the CPA and the, and the attorney.
0: Yeah. I was just, I was just kind of seeing those uh, similarities. You're, you're, you're a partner on the team for the client and with the attorney. And in this case with the CPA, I guess both, both sides of this are, are needed. Cause I think CPAs can have a different opinion on things they're coming, they're seeing it maybe from the um, tax side of things versus Mm -hmm. the investment side of things.
1: Absolutely. It's the same thing with the, with the attorney, they're seeing it from the legal side and we're seeing it from the finance side. That's why I tell people all the time, you know, the, if my, my words of advice of anybody that is out there that is considering getting a divorce, create team you by hiring a CDFA, whether it's myself or someone else and an attorney especially if you think it's going to be contested and it's going to be something that you're you're going to need an attorney for yeah because the attorneys always you know attorneys we all know attorneys they look at things through one lens and they don't understand the financial nuance the the taxation and the nuance even in the backside of my divorce decree it's simply it, there's a whole paragraph in there and legalese that says we were not giving tax advice this is legal advice only and so on so you, and and that's just how they it's just how they, they protect themselves. And they just don't know. I'm not, I don't know everything on the legal side. They're certainly not going to know everything on the finance side.
0: Yeah. Now, if you could talk about the, the other um, option here, just, mm-hmm. just quickly, so people understand. This is, this you're saying fee-based in the beginning. Can you go over uh, over this plan? This this comes with um, some additional services, it sounds like.
1: On the right-hand side of the page, we the, we do everything. If you scroll up just a little bit, I'll share what is included in that led. So right there, perfect. This is, it's not all inclusive, of course. I mean, there's certainly some things that um, we will help with that are outside the, what's listed here. But as I mentioned, we work with people that are just starting off to people that have super complex situations and everything in between. So we'll we'll help them with all of this stuff, with all of our engagements, okay? Then if they want the help, if you wanna scroll back down to the, mm-hmm. to the fee structure there, so we'll do all the on the left-hand side the financial planning includes that laundry list of things minus the investment management on the right-hand side we're, we're just simply folding in the investment management. How that works is it's the same $750 to start the engagement. We won't charge you twice if if somebody came to us and started with the financial planning engagement first, we we don't charge them another $750. We would simply go from $400 a month to 450. Oh, okay. So it's an additional it's an additional $50 a month. For, for those for those folks that are out there that have under $400,000 to invest, we simply charge an extra 50 bucks a month, we'll do all the financial planning stuff, we'll still help with college planning and taxes and insurance and estate planning and everything else. If you want help with the investment management, we charge 50 bucks a month to do the, to the investment management. Once the once the uh, investments are over $400,000 in value that we're managing, we, we simply go to a, a percentage of assets at that point. So we go 1% for up to a million 0. .75 up to 2 million and then 0. .6 at 2 million dollars and over. Um, and and there's some argument of do we want to do, you know should you do percentage based or should you do flat fee our, what the way that we have designed this whole thing and it's this is outlined in our ADV which is our legal documents that we file with all the states that we're registered in. Uh-huh. We all of this is up for negotiation. We are not here to try to fi- fit somebody into a box that we've created. We're trying to build a box around them. So, and I just I just had this conversation with a gentleman earlier this morning. He th- isn't really feeling warm and fuzzy about paying one percent on the assets. It's like, no problem. What do you think is a fair fee? We have a, you know, we have a minimum that we we have to, because we can't work with everybody, so we have a minimum in place. What is what do you think is the number? And we landed on a number, and it's fair to him, it's fair to us. So that's the fee we're gonna charge him to do the investment management and financial planning for the year. He's, we're probably going to cut his fee down by about forty percent, and we're still going to be able to feed our family, and everybody. So everybody wins.
0: Yeah, I, I the, the fees would appear fair from what other things I've seen, and I I really like the subscription model, um, even not under you know the four hundred thousand and under because um, my CPA I, I think that's when I was first introduced to. We've had our CPA for probably eight years, and he mm. introduced it as. Um, a subscription model and i think you did a lot more work in the beginning because you know there's a lot of setup like you say onboarding and yeah. so forth but what i like about it is that it, it's all inclusive so it includes the you know the tax returns it includes the profit and loss every month so it's not like every quarter i get a, a big bill i just mm-hmm. it's all spread out over 12 months um what what is uh, as far as what does that mean to be a custodian? It says altruist and zoe financial. How does that work? Is that when you the money's under management? That's who is a custodian of the money?
1: Exactly. We can't take possession of anybody's money. So we have to we use a, a third party custodian. I think uh, altruist and TD Ameritrade, we use uh, altru- uh, fidelity investments, Charles Schwab, they're all they're all custodians. They just they just hold the money for us. Oh, I see. We can we can go into we can go in and manipulate the accounts and we can we can um, we can place trades on a client's behalf and build the portfolios and manage and monitor them there, but yeah. we can't do anything else. You know, without we can't take the money. We can't prepare put,
0: fake statements.
1: We can't prepare. You know, we're not doing Bernie, Bernie Madoff stuff here. We're yeah. Uh, all of that it's just. Do no you get that we, a
0: lot? Do you get that a lot that people think you, the money's going to you or do you have control of the money?
1: Not not so much anymore. I think there's a lot more education around that. Maybe yeah. earlier on things were a little bit fuzzy. Um, yeah, not not so much. And, 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 and what I will what I will say is about 80, 90% of our the clients that we work with start off in the financial planning only engagement. And then over time, when they realize that you're not Bernie Madoff and you know what the heck you're doing and you're you're trustworthy and, and they're seeing some value, you know, you know, call it three, four five months down the road. Most of those people that we work with are go, OK, Like I get it. This all makes sense. You guys just manage this and let me move on with my day. And so if and someone
0: I, had a Fidelity account and they just wanted to keep that, you would be able to work with their within their existing account.
1: One hundred percent. We can't That's- log in and we, nobody's going to share the username and passwords with us. But with our financial planning software, we can aggregate all that information. We can pull in the data that we need to help them. And really what we do in that case is we'll, on a regular basis, we'll just work with them and say, okay, here's here some, here's here's some where we wanna be. You know, here's here's what we want the portfolio to look like. Here's where you are. Here are the changes you need to make to get there. And then they can go back, log in their accounts, make the changes, and then to wash, rinse, repeat, you know, every three, six months down the road.
0: As far as doing trades and whatnot?
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of people, I, I, you know, a lot of people that have um, the 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 client that I talked to about this morning with the flat fee arrangement. He has assets at Vanguard. He's been there for 25 years. Loves the platform. So I told him, like, I don't care if you move the money to the to the firm or not. I can tell you what to do. All you have to do is be able to log in and have a little bit of a knowledge to be able to place the trades that you need to place. Because I can't do it for you, yeah. but you know so you have to figure out and your listeners anybody that's listening to this i would say you, you're you there's two roles to play do you want to be the portfolio manager or do you not because you know you ha- you have some options and if it if you want to be the portfolio manager that's totally fine it doesn't it doesn't matter we can still work with those people
0: that's interesting so it seems like quite a bargain if you i mean in, in any of the areas if you're going from 400 to 450 to have you do it for the extra 50 bucks would seem to make sense
1: I think it does <laughs> you know and, and <laughs> I, how my and, and brain is working right now it, it, it seems to resonate because like I said a lot of people will you know slowly over time decide to just let us do it um, I don't know I feel like maybe people think there's a catch or there's some hidden fee but the reality is is that we we send a docu sign which is which clearly outlines who's doing what and how much money it's going to cost. And it's black and white. And then everybody yeah. signs off on that. And even before we place a trade, we have everybody sign what's called an investment policy statement, an IPS for and, and we will say, if you were the client, we would sit with you and go through your retirement plan or your, your plan projections, have a conversation with you about how comfortable you are with risk and how you feel about money and all the, all those types of discussions. And then you and I would come to an agreement on what we want the portfolio to look like. And we would outline that in a document that says, here are the accounts that we're managing. Here's how much we're managing. This is what it's going to look like, so on and so forth. And then the two of us sign off on that. That way, again, it's transparent. It's crystal clear. There should be no questions about who's doing what and what things are going to look like. And I think that it, it doesn't happen at every firm. It, this, is how, this is not how it works. Um, not that we're special, but... I, I know from almost 20 years of doing this, this is not how it's done. And we're going to do it.
0: More uh white glove or high touch, if you will, because so it sounds like what you do is you'll, you talked about people, you, you look what people have going on. You look at their individual needs, you look at their goals and then come up with a strategy, present the strategy. And then everyone signs off on it. And you're, you make recommendations on investments based on what their goals are and, where they're trying to get to.
1: Absolutely. And that document is updated every year. So as soon as, as soon as we get that document back from, through the DocuSign, I go into my contact management software, make sure I set a reminder now, every year on June 8th, which is the day that we're recording this, this, uh, podcast every day, uh, next year and uh, June 8th, I will send you a reminder and say, hey, hey, Tim, you, you've got to sign off on this. Are we, are we still in the same spot? How are you feeling about things? Do we need to make any adjustments? You and I would have a conversation about that. You sign off on it. We'll make adjustments if necessary. If not, we save it and we do it again next year. And it's it's you're right. It's high touch, white glove, concierge, boutique, whatever, whatever um, you know uh, acronym you want to use for this. But um, yeah, but now uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever 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 you want to use. But that's again. I went from working with 450 clients. Now I'll only work with about 60 and i'm pretty much capped out now which is why we brought on other advisors to help continue to help us grow and scale and that's where you know they come in they're all certified financial planners we have a we have 100 and 140 years of experience on the team between us wow and um and every the mandate is we're going to all going to work with a small crowd for all the reasons you just mentioned
0: yeah makes sense do you i don't know if this is a, a real word or not but do you have an investment like philosophy as far as what you do with your clients as far as investment wise, or does it just depend on the client's goals and, and uh, thresholds and you know what they're comfortable with?
1: It, it, it's all those things. It's, we're certainly not trying to beat the market because I think that means that we're gonna take on excess risk based on the client's situation. No, you know, no one should have 100% of their portfolio in the S&P 500 and that's it. Right. So we'll we'll diversify. We'll make sure we have exposure to other areas of the market. We have international and we'll have some bonds in the portfolio, fixed income in the portfolio, maybe even a little bit of cash, depending on what the client's goals are. No two of our client of our portfolios are identical. Every client that we work with has a customized portfolio to their situation. Now we have we have models that we will follow and there's some framework to it. So we're not just doing this all willy nilly. But if if you and your twin brother came to us at, a, at the same time, but he had a different level of risk tolerance than you do, then his portfolio is gonna look different than yours. Even if you may want to retire at roughly the same time. Yeah. Maybe we, we deal with this a lot. We have a lot of younger clients, as I mentioned, and they've inherited money over time. You know, Grandma and grandpa gave them you know, stocks as a gift or you know, someone passed away and they inherited some assets. Those portfolios are going to look very different. You know that a twenty someone that is thirty years old and that's happened to them is going to their portfolio is going to look a lot different than the thirty year old that came to us with a hundred percent cash portfolio and we had to rebuild a portfolio for them because we take taxes into consideration. We'll slowly unwind positions over multiple tax years, so we're managing capital gains and things mm-hmm. of that nature, um, so you know they don't have to pay. Pay absorbent taxes either. It's very, it's very, very customized. Um, there's a lot of work in it for sure. A lot of work.
0: Yeah, no, that that all sounds uh, like re- re- fantastic. To be honest with you, so um, just kind of in closing, I want to swing back to one question about divorce. You had it up here on your on your uh, pod match uh, questions. Always ready to answer. Um, <laughs> someone considering going through a divorce, what should they do to prepare financially?
1: I mentioned it earlier. I think it's real. And I tell this to everyone. And I, I keep hearing myself say it. So I'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing myself say it. But your listeners are only here for the first time. So I'll, I'll go with it. But it, it, again, it's creating team you. Getting an understanding of what your options are from a financial perspective by working with a CDFA and helping manage the financial stuff. And then if you need to, a lot of people out there think that they can go it alone, about 50%. I heard the statistic that about 50% of, of of people that are getting a divorce decide to go it alone. And I don't know what the statistic is of people that have done that and decide to ultimately hire an attorney. So I, I I need to get that information. So I'm better prepared for it. But you know, if if you have 50% of divorces that are out there that are, you're going it alone, just having the CDFA in your pocket or have, or, or, is just is not enough you need to have the the attorney there to help you handle the legal aspects of it this is speaking as somebody who went through a very brutal one again looking back that would have been that would have been my own advice to myself is it, it it's not it's not it, you're, you're going to have to pay for it you're going to have to pay for the CD the experience with the cdfa and and that type of engagement but I think not having that experience not going not hiring somebody like that to cr- really create team you that that important third leg of the stool, so to speak mm-hmm. can certainly save you a lot of money in the long run and that was that was the thing that that's the thing that I've seen not only in my situation but in other situations where the you know nothing against attorneys, but how do they make their money by Drafting an email to the opposing counsel or picking up the phone and talking to opposing counsel about this thing. And maybe we could do this negotiation. Maybe what would your client think about that? And as I'm saying this, all I can hear in the back of my head is cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, Mm, cha ching. Well, think about it this way if you went to your attorney and said, I've already talked to my CDFA, who by the way, charges probably a third of what the attorney is going to charge hourly. I have all my information. Here's what I think is a, a viable settlement arrangement. This is what I think the other party will go for. I'd like you to present it to opposing counsel. You just probably just saved yourself seven to ten hours worth of back back and forth ping ponging mm-hmm. phone calls and emails and everything else, which is just racking up your bill. So I'm just uh, you know my, my, I had I, I had two amazing attorneys that worked for me, but I saw this happen there too. You know, there was a lot of back and forth and it's, it's some of it's unnecessary if you have the information at the ready, which is where I can come in and and other CDFAs can come in to help with the negotiation process.
0: Perfect. Jamie, I really appreciate your time. I think I killed an hour of your day. Um, Love
1: it. Thanks so Happy much for your time.
0: I learned a lot as always. I think my listeners will learn a lot. I wanted to interview you because I think that your field, uh, both obviously in the CPA and CDFA is uh, very important in, you know, this world of divorce and um, investments. And uh, I'm always looking for when I'm dealing with clients who are going to the loan, essentially, although they have my guidance through the procedural elements, I don't offer tax advice, legal advice, financial advice. So I'm looking to have uh, all these folks I can refer out so they can get the, uh, the critical information they need so they can make the decisions, you know, that aren't going to harm them in the future.
1: Yeah, well, I expect to be on your speed dial.
0: 100%. (laughs) You're (laughs) also going to be on my resource page as well. I'm just going to put it it all out there. Yeah, if that's that's
1: okay. Let's let's do it again. This is a great conversation. I appreciate you having me. 100%.
0: I'm going to sign off here real quick. Thanks uh, again. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.